We're the myth cl- clarifiers, clarificationers. <laughs> We're the myth. I'm going to stop talking. No. <laughs> New podcast name. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Interrogating Podcast. We are back after a summer break or winter break for our Southern Hemisphere friends, and we are well-rested and ready to get back to some font talk. This week on the Interrogate, we will again bring you the font releases from the recent past, as well as some summer releases that caught our eye that we couldn't let you miss. And then we will get to the bottom of why finding out who designed a font can be so tricky. I'm your host, Joshua Dick, along with my good friend, your Interrogate co-host, and a man who only uses Roboto when he's Blotto, Kyle Reed. How are you today, Kyle? Hi, Josh. It's so good to be back. Uh, I'm not feeling blotto. Not this time. Not since the incident. Not since that. That's that's right. Horrible episode we recorded once. Well, <laughs> let me tell you. I just I call it how I sees it. And uh, you know, if you need to talk to someone, if you need some help, I just know you are a man who uses Roboto. And sometimes you need to talk about these things with a hired professional. Yes. It is good to be back. Let's give the people what they want. This is week 35, 2022. Well, hi, everybody. Welcome back. It is great to be back here with you all in this space designed to celebrate typography. Yes, yes. For today, I've brought just two type releases to share. After a whole summer, just two. Uh, no, not actually. It's just two because we are representing releases from just this past week on this episode. So the aforementioned week 35. Yes, that's right. So here we go uh, with the first one. First to bat here is our undeniable institutional favorite future fonts. Uh, <laughs> yes, that's right. We're, we're, I, we're home, Kyle. We finally made it. I'm home. We're back, baby. Talking to <laughs> Talking you about, about how much we love Future Fonts. <laughs> Not sponsored by Future Fonts. Not sponsored by Future Fonts. So yes, that's right. Future Fonts is back revving up again after a summer lull. It seems as though they took a few weeks off themselves, which is good. Everybody should. So they have a new font release from Costas Bartosokas, a new designer to the platform, called Canicule Display. Self-described as, quote, a vivid serif with an organic flair echoing memories of the pen, end quote. Canicule display brings a level of sophistication, edginess, usability, and style to the Future Fonts platform. Canicule display is available in this initial version 01 uh, release as a family of nine weights for a rather excellent price for the value. It's not often that a whole family of like nine fonts will be released as a version one here, version 0.1 here, but the uh, this one really does deliver. Not even version one. Yeah. So this font family is ready to go right out of the box. It is ready to be competitive out there with a plethora of other editorial high contrast stars. So head on over to Future Fonts, check out this debut. There's more to come, to be sure. Uh, especially looking forward to releases from this designer, Costas Bartosokas. Very good designer and a great value font here. So go pick it up. Yeah, and you're right. With Canicule Display, more to come, to be sure. But there are not a lot of There's a lot here point already. ones that are as <laughs> thorough as this one. So we could be yeah. in for a blockbuster if it keeps growing from here. That's right. So the second type family release I'd like to cover is a little more on the straight and narrow. Colophon Foundry 
has released a narrow serif type family under the moniker BB Modern. Uh, that's two capital B's in a row. Reminiscent of Scotch Roman newspaper types, BB Modern Maybe. projects an unconventional approach with diamond-shaped round forms, kind of bow out in the middle around the waistline of all the lowercase characters. That diamond shape is countered by notchy ink traps, um, so kind of more carved and engineered, uh, and truly confident serifs. Um, it's kind of a slabby serif compared to other Scotch Roman types, which are a little bit more graceful. So uh, it has a little edge, a little weight, a little heft. feels very important. It also feels old world and new world simultaneously, which is uh, quite a feat. BB Modern is available in a single weight, just a regular, <laughs> uh, across five widths, though, from XX condensed to normal. This release feels like an in-progress family, uh, which is not something that Colophon usually does, but we're starting to see a few foundries start to dip their toe into the realm of releasing a couple of fonts that aren't necessarily full-on mega families. So I think that they are... Uh, they would release more weights of all these widths if they saw the interest, you know. So this is I'm I'm seeing this kind of as a a feeler out there to see if anybody likes the wildness of this uh, this type release. Yeah, it's always curious when they when it's normal and then only goes in one direction. Mm -hmm. Like here we have normal and then semi condensed, condensed, extra condensed, extra extra condensed. <laughs> Feels like. There are other gaps to fill, or maybe right. just go to like 40x condensed and see what you can do. Yeah, so all of that is super interesting, but for now, a, a new classic is available at Colophon, BB Modern. Kyle, the summer has come and gone, and we did have a, a lovely break away i know i know back back to the grind back to school mm. all that good stuff did you have a good summer kyle i did yes i had a very good summer and it was nice to take a little bit of time it, off very relaxing bright and sunny sitting by the pool but it we're we're back at it but that is not to say that uh there were no font releases this summer of course there were um and so mm -hmm. we wanted to go back and highlight some of the real gems from the summer uh, that caught our eye as we went. Kyle, what was your favorite font release of the summer uh, that unfortunately we weren't around to highlight as it happened in real time? Yes. Let we us, weren't able to share our to the joy past. for. Yes. Um, well, I think there were so many really fantastic releases this summer. Uh, over the last six weeks or so, it was kind of a busy summer for all the for all that talk of like yeah. nothing happens in August. I don't know, mm -hmm. not not true here in twenty twenty two. It's true that uh, that myth is busted that nothing happens in August. <laughs> less happens in August, I would say that. But yeah, there nothing. we go. <laughs> we're just going to we're just going to clarify some of these myths. We're not going to bust them. Yes. Um, no, but one of my my true favorites from the summer that I really wanted to just highlight for everybody um, that I think deserves some great attention uh, is Fang from Mathis Herzberg. Uh, I believe I'm saying his name right, Mathis. 
So at the very beginning of our time off this summer, Mathis Hersberg released a font family that I consider to be one of the most notable and maybe even most notable of the year. And that is a tough list to get on, but this is, uh, it's quite beautiful. So Fang, it is described as a typeface that, quote, stands like stone, but flows like water. I love that. Just wonderful. That's how you talk about fonts, people. That, that's great. <laughs> That's right. Yes, and uh, there are reasons for that. You can unpack. Um, you know, the stands like stone part is that uh, Fang is a, a font family that is clearly in alignment with conventions and con- constructions of traditional brush and chiseled Romans. So uh, kind of like a Trajan type deal. Uh, so it's inspired by the stone. It has very strong proportions and, and stands well. But flows like water bit, Mathis has injected uh, some horizontal movement into the letter forms that really do come out in the reading line. So uh, there's a nice contrast there. So that phrase, love it. So Fang does bridge this spirit from then to now <laughs> uh, with uh, with moments of exaggerated terminals and end strokes, precision thins, making things you know digitally crisp, uh, and fluid swashes galore. It's a new age Trajan. It's an old school design on a new chassis. It's really quite beautiful, something to look at and uh, worth experimenting with if you're looking for something to get you out of your Geo Sans rut uh, this fall. Yeah, and if you need something with some with some strength, this is this is that. It also kind of feels like each glyph has like some anger management issues. Really, it's got some angst. It, well, because each each part, like there is a part of every glyph that stands in as a fang. That was to me where the yes. where the name came from. There's always something that kind of gotcha. has this like it's going to get you, but it's but it's actually classy. It's reserved. <laughs> it's like American Psycho. I, it's like if American Psycho yeah. were a were a font, you might choose yeah. fang. Okay, I like that. There you go. <laughs> um I had not put that connection together of serifs being like fangs or you know that sharpness, but that makes a hell of a lot of sense. I don't know. I don't know if that was the intent. That's what I got. Yeah. But take it or leave it, Mathis. Uh, Fang <laughs> is beautiful, and you did a great job. Here, here. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's mine. What about you, Josh? I know that you've been keeping an eye on all of the releases the same as I have. Um, and was there one that kind of caught your eye or made you jump out of your seat? There there truly was. And, and I really was very excited to bring this up as soon as I possibly could. So okay. th- the time is nigh. Here I am. <laughs> and that is Glyptic DJR, a digital revival of Herman Eilenberg's 1878 decorative serif. Glyptic is the most recent font of the month club font, which I believe is August of 2022. Mm-hmm. In my brief but spectacular existence engaging with fonts, you know, greatness sometimes can be lost on me. It might pass me by. But this one, <laughs> this one... I could not let it slip past. It is the first example I can remember Mm -hmm. of a font taking my breath away and requiring that I stare at it. Wow. Like a siren siren song singing as I row my dinghy by. I was truly taken with this one. As is true with, I think, all of DJR's work. The devil is in the details. Mm-hmm. There's there are spirals and curlicues given exquisite definition, uh, unexpected ornaments and sharp points, 
scattered across the glyphs. That mean that every letter takes you on its own little journey. And there's an intimate spacing that he uses that keeps you from feeling like it's all just too busy. Yes. And all of this is in service to the original glyptic, but uh, make no mistake, this is DGR working his unique magic. What makes the Font of the Month Club so remarkable to me, beyond the obvious fact that noteworthy and innovative type is coming out as often as you have to pay your credit card bill, is the seemingly Mm. effortless way that DGR takes us in new directions. Like last year's incomparable Megazoid, which is so nice yes, and Megazoid. so amazing. And it took it took that assertion that <laughs> there's there's nowhere else for a geometric sans to go, and it replied, the fuck there isn't. Yeah. <laughs> Glyptic DGR takes the typographic beauty of the past and turns it into the typographic beauty of the future. Don't let it pass Ooh, you by. That's a great line. Yes. Let the siren sing you to shore and take it all in. I love that review there, Josh. That's amazing. Thank you. Uh, I, I, I could sum it up in many, many more words. That was very succinct, succinct and, and nicely put. I like Glyptic. I think it's truly beautiful. I really want to see when and where it starts to make an appearance out in the world outside of Font of the Month yes. Club, right? This is a font that I think people will pick right. up and try to play with and have some fun with and then you know put it back down to do their quote-unquote serious work. I, I'm intrigued by the designers out there who are brave enough to not put it down after trying it out and say, you know what, let's go with this because this is uh, has some change, change potential. Absolutely, because it certainly is decorative. It certainly is not shying away from right. decoration. And that is its beauty, is the interplay of yeah. ornament to ornament and decoration to decoration. And there's got to be hundreds of uses out there. Again, like you say, for someone bold enough to to not be scared off by the idea that a, a, a decorative mm. serif might be too extra, too much. All right, Kyle, we are we're back. We are recording. We are discussing and we've got uh, a lot to talk about. It's been too long, my friend. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we haven't spoken to each other in months because we we don't talk to each other. I didn't know uh, that your face looked like that. We're, I needed a reminder. Well, I am sorry then for the <laughs> disappointment. But uh, I have a, I've got something that I, I need for us to return to a topic that we actually did hit on earlier this year in episode seven of this mm-hmm. season, an episode titled A Happy Hermited Introverted Bunch. Download it today. Yes. Where we talked about attribution of credit for a designer's work. And there we talked about either how you give credit for what inspires you when you design or how to attribute your use mm-hmm. of type to its designer. Um, so I have a, I, but I have a follow-up, a little expansion on that. And I have a beef. I have a bone to pick with type designers, or I guess more specifically, Excellent. type foundry websites. Um, and this one is about literally finding out who designed what. Mm, actual credit and attribution. Knowing who the type designer is. Kyle, when you make something, a font, 
a joke, mm-hmm. a bread loaf. How important is it to you that your name is attached to it? Well, I can't exactly give you a straightforward answer to a very straightforward question. Surprise, surprise. Great. But Great. That sounds, uh, we're back in the saddle. Uh, so my answer is depends. Uh, <laughs> cool. Um, but honestly, but I do, here's why I say that, because if I'm making a joke, I don't need a credit. I'm not a comedian. That's not my role. That's not my job. It's not how I kind of derive my income <laughs> for the year. Fair enough. But if I'm making if I'm making a font and I'm a type designer, I think I would care very much about the credit. Not in an a egotistical, uh, you know, fuel my my mega megalomaniacal needs, uh, you know, endeavors right. in the world. Like no, not that at all. Yeah, I'm not needy. I think it's more or less a a way to track your work out on the internet um, with such a wide, vast area that is the internet for your work to to go out and be seen. It's important that, you know, that work leave breadcrumbs back to you. So for that reason alone, I say it's incredibly important to get credit on a piece of software uh, or fonts or whatever you're making. Yeah, not not because I, I I'm needy and <laughs> need credit, but it's helpful. Yeah, that's a very practical answer you're giving. It's it's a good. It makes business Thank sense you. to know <laughs> yes. to know. Whereas you yeah. know, for me, I'm coming from the the world of theater where it literally is like if I make someone laugh once, it's like yeah. oh I did that. That's me, Joshua Dick. Joshua Dick is the right. I did that. Your face is literally selling your craft. Yeah. Hire me. Hire me next. I'm here. Here's my card. <laughs> here's a postcard. Uh, here's my reel. Mm-hmm. And so that is the whole game. Mm-hmm. It matters greatly. In type design, would it surprise you, Kyle, according to uh, data we have collected, that of all font releases between 2020 and 2021, 17.7% of them did not list the designer on their website? That's surprisingly large. That is surprising. And that is not including, I I find that surprising, and that's not including instances where a designer isn't listed, but it just so happens to be a one-person foundry. Yeah, sure. And it also does not include cases where it does list a designer, but you have to hunt for it. You have to find it. It is in the (laughs) fine print. It's at the bottom of everything. Gotcha. Who designed this font. And I have to say, it is bonkers to me that it is so hard to find out who designed fonts. Again, for me, if you make something, especially something like a font where you're, it's not like you spent like a night on that. Yeah. That's time, effort, and in most cases, livelihood. And then you just don't put your name on it. What is that about, Kyle? Yeah. I think that there's a lot of times and moments where that's not even up to the designer. Uh, And that's the real tragedy is that foundries are really at fault for this. I think at least the responsibility of credit lies with the foundries that are releasing. Because you said the kind of one person shop foundries that we've got in the database, they are they're not included in this stat, right? It's obvious that they designed it. They have their name on it. Right. This is just from foundries with multiple people. There isn't a credit of the designer. Right. Yeah, that's the tragedy there. You might have a a font released and it 
you might be able to click on like who works for this foundry yeah. and it lists five people, but you have no idea who, if one of those five or someone else designed this new font, you have no idea. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I have over the summer, I've probably been to just about every independent foundry's website. Yes. Humble brag there. We've been doing well, a little bit of research. <laughs> oh, I've, I've been around. <laughs> and it is surprising that it's only a handful that really make it clear right there where it's like this font yeah. by this person. And it's part of the headline by blank oftentimes. And that's, you know, that's okay. If you're like, there's the name, here's some examples, mm-hmm. but I would expect the designer name to be still prominent somewhere. The amount of times that the designer is listed in the smallest point font they could get away with is crazy. <laughs> there's no yeah, spotlight. It's a there's no flashing lights. There's no arrows. I would take arrows that just point at the designer name. It <laughs> Beyond the actual specimen of the font, what could possibly be more important mm-hmm. than who designed it when it comes to the information about this font? Maybe price, but like right. designer is up there. So my question to you, Kyle, and maybe there is no good answer, is why? Why would this be true? Do you have any, any mm. ideas or answers for me, I have a couple of working theories, I guess, on the I, I don't I don't mean to stand up for that 17.7 percent, but I think that there are a couple of reasons why that 17.7 percent exists. Right. Um, and I'm going to take a crack at one of them. OK. OK. Educate. me. So I <laughs> I have a feeling that there is a certain level of teamsmanship, teamwork here when you're releasing fonts. Font designers will be hired by type foundries to design a font. If you're an in-house designer at that foundry, you're basically saying, I'm designing under the moniker of this foundry now. Uh, You forego your individuality for the betterment of the team. You know, you you know baseball. Uh, I do, yes. Name a a Yankees player uh, when they won the World Series last. Uh, Derek Jeter. Okay, so Derek Jeter didn't win the World Series. The Yankees did. Right, sure. That's basically how people talk about it in baseball, right? Sure. I have a feeling that there's a little bit of that in the type world still, where they say, oh, this is designed by Colophon. This is designed by, you know, Grilly Type. Like, this is, that's the name, that's is the finest level of granularity that credit is you goes to. I think that is is a thing. I think... People who have those in-house roles, they don't necessarily need individual credit because they think the foundry credit is good enough. I do buy that. That makes sense to me. I guess, I mean, how realistic is it that a font was designed with relatively equal effort from two, three, four people? Wouldn't you usually have at least like a lead designer? Yeah. Or someone who like did the bulk of the work? Yes, and that's true, and I think that's just the the way work is structured. I suppose at at companies like type foundries, but also companies in general, uh, <laughs> everybody kind of has a role. And yeah, perhaps the senior designer will play a larger role than the junior designer, but it's all in effort of getting that type foundries font out there and credited back to that business. And you and you make a good point that that businesses also it's a creation of the entire entity not just yeah. one or two people. 
But I still say that when it comes to a a <laughs> creative pursuit, there's there's yeah. someone whose brain it it jumped from onto the page. There's yeah. there's someone who brought it to life. And it seems very mm-hmm. weird to either not list that person or let's co- go back to the other point right. of it is listed. It's just way down at the bottom. It's very we don't really want you to know. <laughs> yeah. Not so important. what's that about? Yeah. I, I, great question. I don't know if that's just the type industry not having enough years under its belt selling digital fonts to the point where it's just it cares more about the name of the font than the name of the designer. It hasn't come up as an important thing to put out there for some people. Or if it's just you're uh, you don't care enough, <laughs> you know, like I guess some founders are just like, All right, it does not doesn't matter. It continues to baffle me that because nothing else is like this. Right. Right. Like you you don't have books with no author listed. That would make you very suspicious mm-hmm. if there was just a book with with no author. And and so this this is just typography with no authors. Isn't that bad? Like, isn't that? Weird. Yeah, and I think the definition of typography has been changing to the point where the the structure for credit needs to change with it, and it just hasn't. Um, I guess with the authors, say there really is just one author. There might be an editor, but they're listed in you know the inside flap. Um, that's probably the case with fonts. Uh, and right. To me, this is where fonts are very akin to music. There is an artist name that kind of sells the font and that might either be the foundry or the designer that is credited. But chances are there are a lot of other people that touch that font production people, someone who just was responsible for kerning (laughs) freelancers or anybody who came in as a, you know, hinting specialist or, you know, doing additional character sets. Like chances are there is a larger amount of people that deserve credit for some kind of release um, that are rarely credited. So, that is true. I would pose that the type found uh, type industry is ready for uh, font liner notes. Well, and to <laughs> that end, shout out to the foundries out there that do already do something like that, where they list yes. lead designer, kerning specialist, guy who stood in the yeah. corner, like they production coding. Yeah, <laughs> they do exist, and they are thorough, and they list mm. seventeen people. So it's possible to do it that way. Right. Which makes me all the more frustrated by just not listing any human beings as if yeah. the font just rose from the ashes to bring us to salvation. I don't buy it. Yep. <laughs> I have a question for you, Josh. Yes. Is that 17%? We'll say the fact that there's 82.3% of founders that do credit. Uh-huh. Is that not good enough for you? How badly does that 17% bother you? Are you on a mission to see 100% credit out there in the world? Or are, would you be okay with 90, 95%? Mark the time. I am claiming <laughs> I would. I want the industry to strive for 100%. I don't think that's an unru- unreasonable goal. I am right there with you. Anything other than 0% yeah. that that don't listen, that, it, again, it's just like... <laughs> Like I said, there's nothing out there that's like that where you just mm-hmm. act like no one made this. Yeah. And and yes, occasionally a foundry will say, you know, designed by all of us. <laughs> and that's fine. Like, okay, you yeah. did list something, you did acknowledge that it was designed. Mm-hmm. But I just 
we can be more thorough. I think it's fair to be more thorough. I think you're yeah. doing a better service to the individual designers. I think the designers would like it. Who wouldn't like it? Yeah. And, uh, you know, we shouldn't hide our designers. They should come forth. Come closer. <laughs> come into the light. Come into, well, wait, did we just off a whole bunch of type designers? <laughs> no, I, I I really agree with this, I guess, crusade now. You have, you're have you on a crusade for 100% credit, and it's possible. I think it's possible. Oh, wait, I didn't even, I didn't even think of this. I think now it's become a tradition. Every year of interrogating, every season, I need to come up with Josh's crusade. Josh's crusade. Last year, it was punctuation. Yes. I needed more punctuation marks. And now it's credit. Viva la punctuation revolution. Yeah. Now, now it is, I want to see every font release have a by one person or two people. A name listed. listed. Names. I need, I want names. I want names. I need names. <laughs> That's perfect. Um, yeah. I'll break your thumbs. That's it for this week's Interrogang. This episode was edited by Andrew Spheris, who provides most of the original music you hear on the Interrogang podcast. The music you are listening to right now is Cut It Loose by Max Band. The Interrogang is a production of Proof & Co. And every episode can be found on our website, proofco.xyz slash podcast as well as on the podcasting app of your choice. Links to all the releases highlighted in our episodes, in addition to a wide array of other type news and notes, can be found in our weekly newsletter, which you can also subscribe to by clicking on the link in this episode's notes. We can be found on Twitter at proof underscore end underscore co, or you can always drop us a line via email at hello at proofco.xyz. If you have any thoughts on what we discussed in this episode, have any topics you would like to hear discussed on a future Interrogang, or if you also demand names, we'd love to hear from you. As always, thanks for being a part of the Interrogang. We will see you next time. You know, we'll cut it down. <laughs> there wasn't okay. a whole lot of worthwhile in there. Basically, I just implied that you're a raging drunk, so let's take that out. <laughs> Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs>